Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Anybody who is anybody knew that if you're taking hostages in a synagogue because you're trying to get somebody released from prison, who was convicted of trying to kill members of the U.S. military and has a history of anti-Semitic, anti-Israel sentiment. The odds are is that anti-Semitism is going to be at play. So don't ask me what led the FBI to try and make it seem like, well, yeah, sure, they took hostages at a synagogue, but we don't know why. Whether it was the FBI or Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, or President Biden. Now, they've all corrected the record, but this is kind of nuts. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, that's the number, 833-468-8669, that is the number. Now, I, I will tell you, you have often heard me said I have no interest in being first in these situations. I want to be right. This took place over the weekend. I didn't even tweet about it. I just kept watching. I kept looking. And what we know is that there was a man by the name of Malik Faisal Akram who walked into a synagogue in Colleyville, Texas and he held four people hostage for over 10 hours, including the rabbi that, that works there. Now, I actually spoke with uh, my rabbi about this, uh, the, the rabbi of Indiana, Ben Sendro, and I'll, I'll share that with you in a little bit. But held for 10, 12 hours was this guy with a gun. This guy wanted the release of Afia Siddiqui, this neuroscientist, but not just a neuroscientist, right? That's not the whole story. This neuroscientist who was in jail for trying to murder U.S. soldiers? And how about, as some of the reporting goes, and when I say it that way, it's because sometimes these things change and we learn more, it, it, it morphs a little, and I want to make sure I'm always staying on top of it. That this woman was educated in the United States, studied at MIT, a doctorate at Brandeis, arrested in 2008 in Afghanistan carrying sodium cyanide, as well as documents describing how to make chemical weapons and dirty bombs and how to weaponize Ebola. That's who we're talking about here. Someone who who has uh, aligned herself fully and completely with Al-Qaeda, and certainly doesn't believe in the existence of Israel. You didn't know this at the first. I agree. You might not have known this two hours in. You knew it five hours in. You knew it. You already had information that made you say, oh. So why would Jen Psaki tweet out as she did? The president has been briefed about the developing hostage situation in the Dallas area. He will continue to receive updates from his senior team as the situation develops. Senior members of the national security team are also in touch with federal law enforcement leadership. The developing hostage situation, you don't mention in a synagogue? 
if it was a white officer who had killed a black man, you would have made sure to mention it. Clear as day, Jen Psaki. So when the FBI puts this out there, that the Texas synagogue hostages takers demand, demands were specifically focused on issues not connected to the Jewish community, they had to know that wasn't true. They had to know it. By the way, the, the, the way they refer to this woman as Lady Al-Qaeda. That's how, that's how they refer to her. Embarrassing and gross and ugly. As I said, I'm going to share the conversation I had with, with my, my, my rabbi. But it isn't the only thing going on. But certainly it goes back to the idea that, man, the, is, is the FBI really this ignorant? This foolhardy? Do they want to look bad time and time and time again? Does it doesn't make sense? You don't understand. There's no way to understand the value. They don't create a value for themselves. What was interesting about Biden is that Joe Biden was saying uh, 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 about this that you know it was a. We're not sure the the reason. We're not sure the 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 the, the rationale. All of this here. Well, no, I don't. We don't have. I, I don't think there is sufficient information to know about uh, why he targeted that synagogue. Why he insisted on the release of someone who's been in prison for over uh, 10 years, why he was engaged, why he was uh, using anti-Semitic and anti-Israeli comments. If he was using anti-Semitic and anti-Israel comments, you can kind of get an idea of where he's at. It's like we understand what Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar are all about. Not because I say so, but because they say so. But yet at the same event, President Biden was saying this. This was an act of terror. This was an act of terror. And it not only was uh, related to someone who had been arrested, I might add, 15 years ago and been in jail for 10 years. The idea is there was something new. Uh, and uh, they did just a great job. I also told him that I wanted to make sure we got the word out to synagogues and places of worship that we're not going to tolerate this, that we have this capacity to deal with assaults on particularly the anti-Semitism that has grown up. We should be clear the anti-Semitism that's happening under his administration. Because I was told that the rise in anti-Semitism was all Trump's fault. Let me let me dig into this a bit personally, if I may. And by the, I should be also clear that just because I'm Jewish doesn't mean I have a lock on this subject. Because that's nonsense. How did you know it was an act of terror? By all, and also say it wasn't anti-Semitism. I, it, you're just saying things, shooting things out there. If this had happened under Trump, all we would be hearing about is the rise of anti-Semitism because Donald Trump gives license to this. So I want to say for the record that Joe Biden gives license for this. Wait, hold on. Hold on. No, I, I, I can't do that because, because that would be criminally insane to say that. 
Well, uh, he does uh, allow the party to have Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, and they do associate with people like Jeremy Corbyn and Congressman Andre Carson of Indiana. Uh, he will not condemn Louis Farrakhan and calls him a friend. So, I mean, I, I do have a I, – I can't – I got a little point, though, right? Okay. So I can't uh, simply say that this is all Joe Biden's fault. But I will note the amount of Jew haters that are a part of the progressive party that he does not condemn and the party does not condemn. I'll note it. I'll say it. I'll take on any comer. No problem whatsoever. But let's also get back to this last statement that Joe Biden made because I found it Ridiculous. Synagogues and places of worship that we're not going to tolerate this, that we have this capacity to deal with assaults on particularly the anti-Semitism that has grown. So do I. It's called the Second Amendment. Any Jew that goes to services on a Friday night or a Saturday morning that isn't armed is out of their damn minds. They're nuts. You're insane. You're really bad at being Jewish. You don't have a single understanding of history. You're just asking to get killed. That is a very rough statement to make. So allow me now to double down on it. All synagogues, all churches, all mosques, when people are in prayer, are soft targets. And I, again, I'll share with you this conversation with Rabbi Ben Sendro of Indiana. Uh, I, he's my rabbi. Uh, and, and this conversation about hardening targets, I, I will share that with you. But let me start with my take that you have to be armed. You have to be prepared. You are a soft target. Those are times on a Friday night or a Saturday morning for a synagogue where people can try to hurt you. You have a job to do. Your job is to go home to your family. Your job is to make sure your family goes home alive and safe to the very best of your ability. And you're not going to do that? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You know, I take this back to something that was said, I think it was by the ADL. Um, and it was about guns and, and the Holocaust. And I forget who had made the statement. But they had made the statement. I th- okay, it was. It was Jonathan Greenblatt, National Director of the Anti-Defamation League, but this was back in 2015. And it was the idea... As he writes, if Jews and others had had freer access to more guns in the run-up to Hitler's assuming power and had been able to use those guns to fight back against the Third Reich, then there wouldn't have been a Holocaust or far fewer Jews would have uh, perished. He makes the point that the Nazi machine, the, the, the National Socialists, were simply too powerful, too strong, and it would have... And they would have absolutely overrun the Jews, even if they had been armed. My argument goes as follows. <laughs> Sorry, got a little choked up right there. My argument goes as follows. It would not have 
it would not be, and the conversation should not be, that you could have prevented the Holocaust. The conversation should be that if Jews had been armed, at least they could have taken one of those Nazi bastards with them. That is the argument. That by being armed and proclaiming it out loud, you force the other person to rethink their position. Now, maybe they'll rethink it and still move forward. Maybe they will have an overwhelming force. But you force them to rethink. The Japanese never considered a land invasion because there was an American with a gun behind every blade of grass. Those people who engaged in riots after the beating of Rodney King didn't go after those Korean shop owners the minute they realized that those Korean shop owners were going to shoot them in the face. I put forth to you right now that my conversation and my argument is not one of violence. It is one of responsibility. That you have a responsibility to go home to your family. You have a responsibility to make sure your children come home safe. And you must live up to that responsibility to the best of your ability. So let's say you are someone who says, you know what? Even so, I cannot carry a firearm at my synagogue or my church. Okay, you have to live your life. But when a church or a synagogue says we do not allow firearms here, that is a church or a synagogue or a mosque or a place of worship that is unworthy of your love, attention, and dollars. Certainly your attendance. They are saying, come and get us. It is a proclamation of weakness so great and so powerful that it cannot be forgiven. And it shouldn't be. A synagogue that actively says you may not carry a firearm is a synagogue you must quit or you must replace the faith leader of. You must. Because that is the most, that is a, 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 a faith leader, whether it's a church or a synagogue, what have you. That is a faith leader creating the most dangerous place on the planet. And let me also be clear, having a firearm doesn't mean that it's going to work. I make no proclamation that if you are armed, no harm will befall you or your family. I don't make that proclamation. I make the statement as clear as day that by being armed and trained, you have the best opportunity for an outcome you value. And without the ability to protect and defend yourself, you are setting yourself and your children up for disaster. And I just have no idea why you would do that. No idea why you would walk down that road. No idea why you would gleefully and joyfully say, we're a gun-free zone. Shameful. Absolutely shameful. For Blunged and Cup. What kind of fool you would have to be to look your children in the eye, to look your community in the eye and make such a claim. So the story here, I mean, there's, there's a story here that the synagogue was clearly 
targeted, or I shouldn't say this one, but a synagogue was clearly targeted for the purposes of uh, this this uh, hostage taker, for the release of uh, this this terrorist, Lady Al Qaeda. But if you're going to sit here and tell me you're just going to rely on your government to take care of you, no, no, no. You have to take care of you. And thankfully, in the United States, we have got the rights and the laws that allow us to do just that. So, my fellow Jews and Christians and Muslims, why don't we do just that? I'm Tony Katz. Exist. They told us that, no, 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 that there are no caravans. Everything's great at the border from Honduras. A caravan from Honduras, several hundred people making their way up to the U.S. border. It's fine. It's just fine. It's only the border. It's not a big deal. Everything at the border is great. They're handling things terrific. You know how I know? Because the news isn't reporting on it. And if the news isn't reporting on it, it's because everything's good. As opposed to that Trump who hasn't been in office for a year now. And, well, we got to report on him every day. We got to talk about Trump every day. You know, Trump's just destroying us from the inside out. The man is not an elected official. But still, it's just the... It's just the thought of him. You know, you've got another caravan coming from Honduras with hundreds of people, men, women, and children, Nicaragua, Honduras, and Cuba, and Cuba. They are uh, making uh, their way uh, to to the U.S., where they're going to demand to be let in, and it's going to put more strain on the border, where we've got more illegal drugs coming than ever before. Did I mention how bad Trump is? And they wonder why we have no faith in the media. Brian Stelter wonders why you don't trust him. He can't believe that you don't trust him. What are you going to do? Trust your own research? Trust radio? (laughs) I'm assuming that's how Brian Stelter laughs. Rabbi Ben Sendro of Indiana. Discussing the need to harden targets after what happened in Dallas. Keep it here. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. A 44 year old British national taking four people hostage at this synagogue for 10 hours. Now that he has been identified as Malik Faisal Akram, there are actually two teenagers in the UK that have been detained for questioning. What was the purpose of the hostage situation? The releasing of Afia Siddiqui, a Pakistani neuroscientist. A neuroscientist who was convicted of trying to kill U.S. Army officers in Afghanistan, engaged with cyanide, a history of anti-Zionist, meaning anti-Israel, commentary. Yet the FBI says that the hostage taker was specifically focused on an issue not directly connected to the Jewish community. 
No one believes that. No one even understands why the FBI would say such a thing. It's obvious and clear why a synagogue was targeted. When we go back to Atlanta, remember that guy who had gone to the massage parlors and was engaged in a horrific murder spree, and people screamed and yelled, this proves uh, that this was about going after Asians. There were multiple places in Atlanta that this person could have gone to and harmed a lot of people who were Asian. But we knew from the investigation that this is somebody who had sex on the mind 24-7 and thought these places were tempting him. In this situation, we know the woman in question. We know about her anti-Semitism. We have story after story, and he chose a synagogue. It really doesn't take much once you get the story together. Yet somehow the FBI and the president are still going down this road, and so did the, the, the White House press secretary. I think the real question here is exactly what should these places of worship be doing how should they be handling these situations? How do you make yourself safer? And what is it like for a synagogue? What is it like for a rabbi? What is it like for, for the diaspora, Jews in America? When you have a press that just won't be honest about, here's what happened. Rabbi Ben Sendro joins us right now, CST Rabbi, on Twitter. And full disclosure, not only Indiana's rabbi, but my rabbi as well, Congregation Share Tefillah in Carmel, Indiana, and I, I did, I texted you, I sent you a text yesterday and say, is this something you want to comment on, you you want to talk about, you know something uh, about law enforcement, having been a police uh, chaplain before, and before we get to the ideas of safety and security, first your thoughts on what took place uh, o- over the weekend, and some of the response you've seen, whether it be from uh, politicos or, or the FBI or others, about not making claim there is no connection. Thank you for having me on, Tony. The claim that uh, this is not an obvious act of anti-Semitism is indefensible, and I, I cannot understand why the FBI or the President of the United States would take such a ridiculous and unsupportable position. Now, that's, uh, that is what's been, been taken, and it seems, it, it, I shouldn't say seems, it is very clear. Uh, but when, when you see this happen, it is, is that to you a larger problem than the guy who's like, well, we got to get this woman out of jail. Let me go hold some Jews hostage and see what happens here. I'm sorry, I'm not sure... Uh... I mean, it, uh, are, are the problems equatable? Making the claim uh, that it's not anti-Semitism is a serious issue. Somebody going into a synagogue and taking people hostage is a serious issue. So uh, which one, as, as you see it, when you talk to your congregants, do you, do you deal with first, or are they just independent of themselves? Well, no, I think uh, what we deal with first is the possibility of a hostage situation. Uh, how the government reacts is not something we can control um, and frankly doesn't uh, affect us in terms of our safety in the future. But to uh, deny that this is because of anti-Semitism 
would be a horrific mistake on the part of of any synagogue. And um, I think that what we have to do first is make sure our people are safe and understand that it can happen anywhere. It wasn't all that long ago you and I were discussing an anti-Semitic attack at our synagogue. Thank God it was only with spray paint. But there's no indication that would reassure me that these types of attacks are on the decline. They are not. They are on the increase. And as you and I have discussed in the past, I believe that we have to harden our target. Talking to Rabbi Ben Sendra of Congregation Shari Tefillah in Carmel, Indiana's rabbi. Um, and full disclosure, my rabbi, I want to know your thoughts. What do you mean by hardening targets? How does that play out to you? We have to take steps that, um, frankly, we w- we'd prefer not to have to take. We want to be open. We want to be welcoming. We, you know... We want to have our doors wide open, and then anyone who's looking for a place to pray should be able to come in, and that's the ideal. That's the ideal. But we're not living in in an ideal world. So I believe that uh, all sorts of steps need to be taken, and thank God our synagogue has already taken the vast majority of them, in terms of upgrades in security systems. Uh, perhaps it's time to go back to having armed guards. Uh, maybe we should never have stopped that, but uh, we did for a while. Those are the kinds of things I'm talking about, Tony, things that institutions can do to make it more difficult for this sort of incident to take place. Uh not that we want it to happen anywhere, but if someone is considering doing something and takes a look at Shari Tefila, I hope they would decide, let me find some place that might be a little bit easier. But, but to, to further the, the, the point, you're not just referring to your synagogue, and you're not just referring to synagogues, as I know it. You're referring to places of worship across the spectrum. I am. I am. We've we've had uh, these sorts of incidents happen in churches where there's been mass shootings. I think, you know, it's a sad commentary, but houses of worship have to be on the defensive. And again, we don't want that. We want to be warm and open and welcoming, and we will be after we make sure that we can keep our people safe. That's the top priority in my mind. Talking to Rabbi Ben Sendro of Congregation Shari Tefillah uh, in Carmel, Indiana. Full disclosure, my synagogue. Um, uh, real quickly, before I let you go, on, on that, the, the, the whole messaging. There's the messaging that we saw from media, and then there's the conversation you're having right now. Um, that that conversation of, of safety and security, it does it does hit people right in their soul. The idea, you mean I have to have you know this kind of protection in my place of worship? Just the conversation alone 
bothers people, just like the conversation from the FBI of not fully and clearly explaining what's going on bothers people, and I believe should. When you speak to parishioners or or, uh, congregants and, and, and you see this conversation happening in other places where they're like, how can this be a place of worship? If, if we're hardening our ourselves as a target, what is your response to them? My response is uh, I, I almost uh, I'm reluctant to invoke this, but my response is that the history of our people has taught us that we ignore anti-Semitism at our own peril. And sometimes that peril is at the peril of our lives. We cannot do that. I I wish the world were different. The world is what it is. And to ignore that or uh, to say that for whatever reason, these are isolated and rare incidents that we do not have to prepare for, I think is short-sighted and foolhardy. Annual open letter to the people of Purdue from Mitch Daniels. There are people angry about this. Mitch Daniels, former governor, could have been a presidential candidate, maybe in the future. He writes an open letter every year about what's going on in Purdue. Since 2013, he has been writing this letter. But people got angry this year. I'm going to share with you why. And then I'm going to be what could be described as potentially unkind to those people. Because if I despise anything at all, it is faux feminism. Being a feminist myself. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. I have no idea if I'm a feminist. I don't even know what it means anymore. Because there are women very angry that Mitch Daniels would ask the question, where are all the men? His letter, which you can find at purdue.edu. And I should, full disclosure, I'm a fellow of the Mitch Daniels Leadership Foundation, right? I don't agree with my man Mitch on everything. But it is very clear that in a concept, a leadership concept, he has figured out how to make things happen, how to get people to follow a, a direction, regardless of party. That is solid. I appreciate those things. So the letter discusses, when you take a look at severity of cases, of COVID cases, I actually spoke with people about this on the show, uh, that those who have mild, very mild, or asymptomatic on COVID make up about 80 plus percent. Well, no, no, take that back. I did the math wrong. 95% plus of the cases of COVID on campus. Only 3% are moderate, significant, or severe with COVID. He talks about leaving 2020 behind. He talks about enrollment. Fall of 2021, West Lafayette campus has 49,639 students, 37,000 undergrad, 11,000 graduate, and then some professional students on top of that. It's impressive. It ranks as a top 10 university, innovative, top public, best value, best university for engagement, most STEM majors, best college for veterans, best online learning school. Lots of accolades. 
Then it talks about the number of underrepresented students and how those numbers are, 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 they're working on getting those up. Whether that be black students or Hispanic students or someone who might be two or more racist. These are not the things I look at per se because I want them to accept students who are ready for the, 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 the Purdue experience. But people look at these things. Okay, they're going to play in that game and look at these things. Then he asks, where are all the men? If 2020 was the year when a search for value asserted itself, 2021 was the year when the nation finally discovered an issue long in plain view. It was an article from the Wall Street Journal. And they see, and they're looking at a a three to two disparity in women to men on college campuses. New York Times reporting, quote, the latest enrollment numbers for spring 2021 show a record gap between the sexes. According to, to Mitch Daniels, it dates back at least three decades. What was the new? What was new was the dawning realization that in a knowledge economy where ec- educational credentials and the skill that they theoretically confer are more and more essential, leaving half the population behind would be a problem for society. The New York Times reporting: the simple mathematics of more women than men earning college degrees means that many highly educated women will either have to partner with less educated men or forego partnership, resulting in a lower birth rate. This offends the feminist who cannot understand that a nation that doesn't have a growing birth rate is no longer a nation. The facts remain. Creating children matter. It matters, and it matters greatly. Creating children matters to a society that wants to grow. And no matter how much you want to not like it, women are the only ones that can have babies. Now, I think that there are plenty of educated men out there who don't go to a college because they no longer see the value in spending those dollars, and that's where I'd have the conversation with, with, with Mitch Daniels. He writes, how ironic if after a half a century of historic overdue progress integrating women fully into the nation's economic, social, and political life, we gave back the immense societal gains of that climb because men stopped holding up their end. And then it discusses things that we have already seen, that women are are interested in different subjects. Um, The STEM subjects are relatively predominant. uh, uh, They tend to attract men, and women are upset by this. Women are upset by this. Mitch Daniels explains that we have and will extend a host of programs to recruit more women to these disciplines. As one example, our 26% female share of engineering students is among is one of the nation's highest. And he continues, I have sometimes observed that no one ever writes to express concern that we need more men in our 87% female veterinary medicine college or our 89% female nursing department or our 64% female college of pharmacy. It's the same reason you never hear scream anybody you never hear anybody screaming racism in the NFL that there aren't enough white running backs. Women are infuriated with Mitch Daniels for noting these issues. For noting some of the hypocrisy. Me, I'm thrilled that he did it. And the women who are upset with him, that's not feminism. That's weak. He's bringing up a subject of value, so discuss it. Don't get angry about it, because there's something here worth discussing. I'm Tony Katz.